0: Pastor Brody, this is a big crowd. Was that? Oh, so there are a few handouts um, uh, here. I think R- Brother Russ has got them. Um, they're honestly not for the for the lesson this morning. They're for they follow up questions. So uh, you're welcome to. I think there's enough printed out for each couple to share, and if you're not a couple, just take one. Um, anyway, well, thank you, Pastor Brody, for this opportunity to 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 be here. Um, A little bit about myself and my family real quick. Uh, My name is Joseph Henson, and uh, we've been here. My wife, Mary, is right here. She's always faithful to come here with me. Um, We've been here for, I guess, going on a year now, I think, uh, here at Timberlake. And um, we've been in Lynchburg for four years. Uh, I retired from the United States Army. I was in the United States Army band, for those of you who don't know. Um, I'm a musician, uh, and I was in the U.S. Army Band stationed uh, in Washington, D.C. for uh, 21 years and some change. So um, uh, I actually had five years left on my enlistment that I could have stayed, uh, but I was already sort of having dreams about what am I going to do next when I get out because I was somewhat of a one-trick pony uh, when it comes to being a musician. And uh, I would thought about real estate, and I was, you know, thought about uh, tuning pianos, and you can make, you know, you can make a decent living in Northern Virginia tuning pianos. So many people live up there. But a friend of mine called me, and uh, there was a, an opening at Liberty University in, their, in the School of Music, and that doesn't happen very often, uh, in really in any, uh, you know, at any university level, uh, School of Music in particular, which is my vocation, um, so, long story short, I ended up putting in my retirement papers, and uh, we came down here. We moved down here. Uh, and since we've been here, well, I'll just, I'll just say this. Uh, we have five kids. Uh, our oldest is married, and uh, just they just provided our first grandchild, whose name is Jesse, and we're super happy about all that. We're elated. And um, this, this son, in particular, is, uh, they say that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Well, this apple sort of got lodged in the tree. Um, it never fell off the tree. He basically does exactly what I do. Um, I tried to talk him out of it, honestly, but he wouldn't hear it, which is, I guess is good because in order to be a musician, a successful musician in, in, this, in, this, in this day and time, you really got to have a fire in your belly and the zeal for that. Um, we have uh, four other children. All of them are still at home. And we've homeschooled our kids uh, throughout, and uh, although a couple of the older ones uh, transitioned to public school uh, while we were in Northern Virginia during our high school, but uh, for the most part, we've gone all the way through, and um, that's the plan from now on. We're gonna we're gonna stick to homeschool uh, until we get that last arrow, you know, sent off. Um. Uh, let's see. We we're originally from South Carolina. I'm from Rock Hill. My wife, Mary's from Columbia. We met in college at University of South Carolina uh, in band together. Uh, she has, she tells a sweet story about how we got together. And honestly, it was a very unlikely match. I'm just sort of a country guy. And uh, she was very much from the city, a little, little fancier than me. And um, she's still fancier than me. She'll always be fancier than me. Um, but I, I couldn't... Nothing better could have happened to me in my life besides, uh, besides my salvation, God bringing my dear wife to me, and um, I'm so thankful for her. Got some awesome kids. John is here actually with us today. He's a he's about to start his uh, sophomore year at Liberty, and he's doing some smart smart guy stuff that you can like actually get a job and uh, uh, doing. And uh, Abigail and Peter. Uh, Peter's at home. Anna is she's at church somewhere else, and uh, Abigail's serving at Officers' Christian Fellowship at White Sulphur Springs. Uh, She's on there. She's washing dishes and cleaning up stuff for two weeks. Um, Anyway, I guess that's pretty much the gist of it. As far as our church background, um, we uh, I was actually saved in a Free Will Baptist church. Uh, I heard about Jesus. I didn't wasn't really keen. I was I hadn't I was I was a senior in high school and I didn't really theologically I had no reference point whatsoever. Uh, I didn't even have a Bible, but my dad started taking us back to church when I was in, in high school and uh, I heard about Jesus. I heard the, I heard the gospel, and um, and I knew I needed, I knew I, the, the Lord began to work in my heart and uh, I knew I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. That was all. That's all I knew. And uh, I proceeded to hang on for, you know, uh, week, week after week and verse after verse of just as I am, uh, you know, until I just couldn't take it anymore. And I, but I wasn't saved in church. I was actually saved at home. Um, I got home one night and, and uh, you know, before I, I went, to, to went to bed and I was just like, okay, I, I'm done with this. I was under such conviction. Uh, and God just was, he had me right where he wanted me at that point. And I had just run because I, I, I just didn't, I wasn't really into that. I just didn't want that. I had my whole young life and my youthfulness and all my, my idols that I had to worship, although I wasn't thinking about them like that at the time. And um, I just prayed a simple prayer to the Lord. I said, Lord, I really don't understand much about you. I don't really know who you are, but I know you're holy and I know that I am not I know that you uh, are calling me to repent and trust in you, and put my faith in you. And uh, and I asked, you know, I asked the Lord Jesus to be my Savior that night. And um, and I went to sleep. But I know what I woke up the next morning, and man, there was something profoundly different in me. I was a different person, and I know that because the people that I'd always picked on when I was in high school, when I got there, like I didn't want to pick on them anymore. You know, I wanted to, like be their friend and apologize, and you know, all this stuff that was just not me but it was me now it was christ in me so uh that's kind of a short version of my my conversion and uh we we moved to northern virginia we were in a calvary chapel for a long time um and then uh i started listening to uh well actually we went to denton bible church in denton texas while we were in school uh under tom nelson i don't know if you guys have heard of denton bible or tom nelson's excellent bible teacher um then we ended up in a Calvary Chapel in Northern Virginia. And then uh, for the past, I don't know, 10 or 11, 12 years that we were there, we uh, were at a Sovereign Grace Church, which is uh, more Reformed in its theology, especially uh doctrine of salvation, soteriology. And, um, and that's where we, we served and, and worshipped until we came down here. And so now we're here, and... Um, I would, I'm just so happy to be here with you guys. Uh, certainly, if you have any questions you'd like to ask of me, it was such a blessing to get and sit, to sit with a lot of you guys last night and chat and talk and laugh and you know, carry on. That was a lot of fun. If you weren't there, please try to make it out to the next one that we have, and um, it, you will be blessed. Okay, so uh, I wanna, we're going to take two uh, sessions to look at Psalm 103. So if you want to turn there in your Bible... Uh, we'll read that, and while you do, I'm going to open us with the word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time to gather together in your name, and we, um, we confess that we, we need you every hour, every moment of our lives. Lord, we can do nothing apart from you, and we ask that you would meet us here. We pray that you would uh, do a work in our hearts by your word, and by your spirit, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would ignite your word in our heart, create uh, a love and a zeal that maybe we don't have, uh, we didn't have when we came in the door this morning. But we ask that you would be glorified in us as we gather to hear from your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so quick question for you, and please, please feel free to, to, to answer, summer goals. Who has a summer goal? Anybody had? Have, have you thought about a summer goal that you might have? Anybody got a summer goal you want to share? Yes. Clean out the school room. The school room. Awesome. Russ. Yeah, I've got 15 down <laughs> right on. That's an, aw- that's an awesome goal, actually. I love it. Um, summer goals. Ooh, yeah. Any place in particular in California you want to go? Yeah, I was telling my son this morning, he, he was studying like a road. We got a, 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 a brand new Rand McNally uh, road atlas. He loves studying maps. And he was looking at California. I was like, Peter, you know, California gets a bad rap because of, you know, a lot of political talk and, and stuff like that. But honestly, California is one of the most beautiful states in, in, in this country. And um, so, yeah, that's awesome. Anyone else? Summer goal. Now there's a lofty goal right there. Potty training for our toddler. That's awesome. That's a great summer goal. May the Lord fill you with all grace and endurance. Anyone else? Summer goals. Actually, actually, goals are good. I'm not actually a goal oriented person myself. I don't think myself as being a goal oriented person. But it didn't take me very long to realize at the outset of this summer. That I have a few things I want to take care of around the house. Our deck needs some fresh paint, and uh, there's just some stuff like that. We have, like, a, a, our fence needs to be clean. It's got some green stuff on it. I want to do a lot of mountain biking. Um, but honestly and truthfully, I really have one goal this summer, and that is I want God to reignite a love in my heart for him. That's my goal. Honest to goodness, that's my goal. I want the Lord to 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 refreshen and and reawaken my soul for him. And I think that um, uh, you know I teach at at liberty, so I spend, you know, most of my week around college students, which is awesome. It's great, it's a ministry, and there's this, but there's, you know, this the churn of Everyday teaching, life, all this business, it can wear down on your soul. You know, and whatever you do, whatever your vocation is, um, it's easy for uh, for the embers to cool if you're not careful in terms of your walk with the Lord. Um, so I feel a great need for this. And I'll just tell you right up front, be very transparent. I feel a need for God to reignite my heart, you know. And hopefully... Uh, Hopefully, he's going to hear my prayer, uh, you know, because I want my life to impact for others. I want to have an impact on my students. I want to have an impact on my brothers and sisters in Christ, my family, my church, and um, but in order for that to happen, something first has to happen in, in my own heart, and that's going to, what, whatever impact I have on others is going to be an overflow of my own heart, my own soul. So, um, that's my goal and I'm sure that even the very impulse for this is from the Lord. It's, it's his doing and his stirring. And uh, maybe he's stirring something like this in your heart. Yeah. It's easy. It's easy to kind of drift and not really realize it. Um, but I think that uh, one of the things that the Lord has done so far is to, uh, he's led me into the Psalms, and, and a, few, a few Psalms in particular, 145. You might make a note of 145 and read it this week if you get a chance. 115 uh, speaks about idols, and those who, who worship them uh, become like them. Uh, and, uh, and here in Psalm 103, which is where we are this morning, um, I want to read the psalm, and then we'll get right into some observations. Psalm 103 of David. And I'm reading from the ESV, by the way, ESV. Uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul. according to our iniquities for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his steadfast love toward those that fear him as far as the east is from the west so far does he remove our transgressions from us as a father shows compassion to his children so the lord shows compassion to those who fear him for he knows our frame he remembers Is a beautiful psalm. So did you notice that there isn't one word of petition in this psalm? There's not one place where God is being requested to do something, to act. It's really not even a prayer. Notice that? Not a word of it is addressed to God himself. It's really not a psalm to God. Rather, it's a psalm, what? About God. It's a psalm about God. And it's a psalm of David. But who's David talking to? If he isn't addressing the Lord, who's he talking to? What do you think? He's talking to himself. He's talking to himself. And what's he doing? He's calling his own soul to worship. He's calling his own soul to worship. We all talk to ourselves. Everybody, come on, you, you know you talk to yourself every now and then, at least. We're, there's, there's a constant conversation really going on in our minds with ourselves, right? Um, and those conversations can be of you know various on various topics or natures or subsubjects, but David has got one thing in mind right here with this as he's speaking to himself. He's calling his own soul to worship. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. So the phrase, bless the Lord, it was actually used, if you look in uh, in particular, Nehemiah, um, you'll see Ezra and the Levites using this phrase as a formal call to worship. In particular, uh, Nehemiah 8.6, I'll read this real quick. Nehemiah 8.6. Um, this is where the, uh, where the Israelites, the people of Israel, are regathering into the nation after, being, uh, after returning from Babylon. And um, they're trying to get themselves reoriented uh, in the worship and in, to the Lord. And it says in Nehemiah 8, 4, that Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform. And verse 5, Ezra opened the book, that is the book of the law, the book of Moses, in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people, like physically above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then in chapter 9, just a little, uh, just a little bit later, uh, they have another gathering on the 24th day of the month. They were gathered in fasting and sackcloth. And uh, verse 5 of chapter 9, Nehemiah, the Levites said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessings. And praise. And then they go on with this uh, amazing prayer of worship and confession. But you can see how this phrase, bless the Lord, can be used as a formal call to worship. Um, it's like a summons to stop everything. Press pause. Time out. And look up. That's what it is. There's a, there's a, there's a zeal and an intentionality to it. Um. Stop everything, turn your eyes upward. And honestly, that's why we gather here on Sunday morning. Right? This is why we come together as believers. We just press pause, we stop everything, and we gather for one purpose, and that is corporately to worship our great God. Um, there's a sense of seriousness in David's language. In other words, you can tell just by reading this, he isn't playing around. He's, he's dead serious about what he's saying. Now, I don't know how old David was when he penned this psalm. Spurgeon, actually, Charles Spurgeon, uh, he, he thinks maybe he was later in his life. Um, but where, whatever season of life David was in, perhaps he had come to a place in his life where he had sensed a drift. You know, why would you write a psalm? Why would you address yourself? Why would you feel the need to call yourself to worship? You know, maybe... Um, Maybe he had come to a place in his life where he had sensed a drift. His praise, uh, perhaps, had come, become half-hearted, and his zeal was waning, and he knew it. Uh, Mary there was a sense that, you know, in the, in the language of, of Revelation 2, that he had left his first love. He was a man after God's own heart, but we, we know David's story had a lot of ups and downs. But now as he's meditating on who God is and what he's done, David is reminded of the fact that God is still, he always has been and still is supremely worthy of nothing less than wholehearted worship. And, you know, as you, as you read through the psalm, it's as, it's as if he's rediscovering the grace of God in you. It's like he's, he's coming in contact with his, with, his, with his God and with his Savior for the first time again. He's catching a fresh vision of God's glory by rehearsing the truth about God to himself. And as he does this, as you read through this psalm, you can tell there's like a building. It, it just almost comes to a crescendo because he starts as a private call to worship. But by the end, he's calling on the angels. He's calling on the, the hosts of heaven. He's, he's summoning the entire universe to worship. It becomes a corporate even universal call to worship. And, and I think that includes us, don't you? Uh, his, his faith is reinvigorated, and his affections are being set ablaze by the glory of God's goodness. Uh, I was looking at um, some thoughts from Matthew Henry, who's in what we used to call an old dead guy, commentator on, uh, commentated on Psalm 103. And Matthew Henry said, this psalm calls more for devotion than exposition. It is a most excellent psalm of praise and of general use. I love that. He says, In singing this psalm, we must, in a special manner, get our hearts affected with the goodness of God and enlarged in love and thankfulness. I love that. In singing this psalm, we must, in a special manner, get our hearts affected with the goodness of God and enlarged in love and thankfulness. So, affections, A-F-F-E-C-T-I-O-N-S. Deals with our, our feelings, our emotions. Um, I'll say this. Well, I'm going to just ask you, have you ever gone through a season where your, your affections are just on cool? You know, maybe you're not feeling it. Maybe you you have a sense that I'm just you know I feel like I'm going through the motions here. You know, I'm going to church, I'm going to my classes, I'm doing the thing, and I'm praying. I'm even reading my Bible, but deep in your heart, the lamp is on low. I know I have. And if our affections are ever ho hum towards the Lord, trust me, uh, the problem isn't with Him. It's always in us. Right? It's always in us. Um, and if our hearts are ho-hum, it's because we need a fresh vision of this great God whose glory and greatness and goodness never changes. He never changes. We're the ones who are fickle and changing. We change. We go up and down. Now, I know that um, uh, emotions can sometimes lead us astray, but they can also alert us to a need. You know? Um, For example, if I find myself regularly having no zeal or excitement or enthusiasm towards my wife, if I'm not excited about her being my wife and, 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 you know, zealous to take her out on date nights and and just treat her in a special way, then that's probably an indicator that something has gone wrong. And I need to focus my... um, my heart and my mind back on her and, and the glories of the wife that God has given me because I've lost sight of them, It right? is uh, so in a similar way, thankfully that's not the case, by the way. I, I'm, I'm, I'm daily amazed and tempted to worship, but I'm not, not going to worship you, but I do love you. Um. But in a similar way, if I'm feeling low on zeal and low on excitement, uh, little passion for Christ, then maybe I've got my eyes and my heart, my mind, wrapped up on something else in His place. Um, I mean, I can't speak for everyone here, but I do know this. I want a fresh vision of the Lord. I want to be re-amazed by His grace. I want to be reinvigorated and reawakened by his goodness. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take up this book, and I'm going to read, and I'm going to look, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to search, and I'm going to read, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to look, and search, and read, and pray, and read, and pray, and fellowship, and all these things. And I'm going to trust God to do that. Because I know that he will. Because he has not said to us, seek me in vain. Um, and it's really not about me, it's about him. Why would I do this? Why would I call my own self to worship after the manner of David? Well, for the same reason that David did. Because God is worthy. He's worthy of nothing less than all that's within me. Right? He's worthy of nothing less than all that's within you. No matter what season of life you're in, no matter how young you are, no matter how, how, how old you are, no matter your vocation, no matter your education, our God, our Savior is supremely worthy in, at all times and in every season of our worship and of all that is within us. Now, um, embedded in this call to worship, there's a crucial self-exhortation. Look at verse 2. Well, verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. Remember, he's talking to himself, and he's saying, don't forget all his benefits. Why do you think he chose those words? I found that odd. Why do you think that David would say, forget not all his benefits? Any any thoughts? Why would he say that? Yes. Who said that? Okay, yes. Tom, right? Because we do forget. We do tend, and everybody knows that. We tend to forget all his benefits. Uh, We... We, no matter how great we know God to be, we have this keen ability to forget. It's just part of who we are and our, our fallenness. Um, yesterday, uh, one of my kids was, uh, so our son Daniel has, has uh, taken all these home videos that I took when, when he was a kid. Like, so primarily when uh, Daniel, Anna, and John were little, like this little, I took tons of home videos. And so Daniel got all those tapes together, and he digitized them and put them all on a Google Drive for us. So yesterday, uh, we were just hanging out, and Anna was showing me some of these videos, and I was like, what? I had totally forgotten all these things. I mean, was, there were some funny things and some stuff like, oh, man, are you kidding? What, what happened? How did I forget about why do I not remember this? And... Um, and then my wife, Mary, she says, well, so much has happened since then. And that really hit me. So much has happened since, our, since these kids were little. And think about all that's happened in your life since you got saved. Think about all that's happened in your life since the Lord first came to you and called you to himself. A lot. And so it's, I think it's easy to forget stuff. It's even easy to forget the most precious things in our lives. Um, i want to bring this to a close for our first half, but I just want to say this uh, look, just a little bit more. Uh, recently, I, I pulled out one of my old torn-up Bibles, and it was like totally, really literally falling apart. And I was perusing back through the book of Deuteronomy, and I noticed all these numbers in the columns and like you 25, 31, 17, what, is, what am I doing here? What What was this all about? And um, as I went back and traced, traced back what, what I was doing. I had put a number by every time uh, there was a phrase that had to do with be, be careful, take care. And, you know, the book of Deuteronomy is filled with the phrase, take care, be careful, lest you what? Forget, lest you forget the Lord almost thirty times or so god 's people were, were exor- exhorted and, and warned be careful when you go into the milk and hun- the land of milk and honey you know when, when you when you're eating food that you didn't plant when you' when you're drinking wine that you did not prepare all these things be careful lest you forget the Lord and um And I think that's why the word of God was really to be central in the everyday lives of his people. He said, so this word shall be in your heart and you shall teach them to your kids diligently. When you wake up, when you go to bed, when you walk by the way, when you go to the store, when you, you know, whatever it is you're doing, these words, these words, these words, these words. So God knew that his people needed a reminder. They were prone to forget. And so if, if, if the people of Israel were at risk for, for forgetting God, in his greatness, as much as they'd seen up close. Don't you think that we, we share that same risk? We run the same risk, you know? We get caught up in, the, in the, everything that happens in our lives, the, all the stuff, all the noise, and we can, yeah, we run a risk of forgetting. And I think that's why um, the word, like the actual book, is so important and critical that we have it in our lives daily in, in various forms. Christ's exalting music will do wonders for, your, for keeping you uh, mindful of who it is you serve, fellowship, and all these wonderful means of grace that God has given us. So uh, we're going to stop right there. Um, and then in a couple weeks, we'll pick up with Psalm 103 and calling ourselves to worship. Thank you for listening and thank you for for being here. You're such a wonderful uh, group of brothers and sisters. Um, So let's pray. Our Father, uh, thank you so much for this psalm. We're we're just now getting into it. It feels like it's so rich. And um, we just pray that you would use it this week in our lives. Remind us of who you are and uh, call us, call each one of us a renewed sense of worship and devotion to you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.